0: inspiring and equipping you to live the life you're destined to live. This is The Ascend Men Podcast. To kick off our month focusing on mental health, we are privileged today to hear from Ben Slater. Born in Essex, Ben developed a career in education, increasingly working with children who needed specialist teaching environments. This led to a keen interest in attachment theory and mental health, which combined with his faith gave him a heart for clergy and their families. As Ben says, Christians are capable of beating themselves up like anybody else, but with a shinier stick. Ben founded Five Ways Devon, through which he has trained over 10,000 adults and young people. And amongst other organisations, Ben has worked with the Methodist Church, the Church of England, Adoption UK and Street Pastors. Hi, Ben.
1: Hi, uh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great great to have you on the podcast today. And we'd love to get some insight into the character of our guests through a few quickfire questions. So first up, excluding Jesus, which celebrity or notable character would you most like to have around for dinner?
1: gosh notable uh celebrity um it could be barack obama for instance or something like that it could be, it could be anybody <laughs> um i think uh, i think perhaps it would be one of the rue family uh, because they are mission star chefs and uh if they were making the dinner that would be absolutely fantastic uh-huh.
0: and if you were making the dinner
1: oh gosh i wouldn't invite a mission star <laughs> chef around if i was making the dinner but if i was making the dinner um, someone I found I'd always intriguing. Uh, intriguing is um, Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. um, uh, you see lots on the on the internet about him and about how brilliant he is. Um, so I think I'd uh, like to uh, if, either him or Lewis Capaldi. Right. And the reason for those two random choices is they're two people who I think don't know that they're famous, mm. which really intrigues me about the way that they treat other people and and do. The, the stuff in the limelight that they do right
0: okay and number two how do you like your eggs fried poached boiled scrambled or do you
1: hate eggs uh, so uh scrambled if i'm doing them um uh poached if someone else is doing them uh because i always turn my poached eggs into egg soup <laughs> <laughs> and the third question uh,
0: can you think of a time when you succumbed to peer pressure
1: um i think that period would be described as most of the 80s (laughs) when I was uh, when there were particular uh, fashion uh, essentials there was uh, Farrah jumpers it was when Bermuda shorts started to make a hit after Wham wore them in a video if you're listening to this and you need to google any of these cultural references (laughs) then then enjoy your enjoy your youth Uh, I'm saying that without a moment of resentment Um, but yeah there were plenty of style icons uh, during the 80s and we all felt we needed to get the uh Frankie says relaxed t-shirt and mm. the blonde highlights and the Bermuda shorts and, and so <laughs> so looking back at those photos um it just it just looks like uh kaleidoscopic mess yeah of uh, of knitwear and shorts yeah. and you must
0: still see some of that down on the south coast but that's another another discussion and <laughs> um, so thank you for joining us um for our month of may special uh, series around mental health and uh, particularly focusing on good health and how do we uh, lift the, the lid off the stigma of, of of mental health but i'm aware that quite often i'm challenged around the language of mental health so mm. could you
1: help us a little bit by understanding more about that Yes, I mean the starting point is that when we say mental health, uh, our default is really positive. Um, so you might say if someone's saying, "Oh, he or she or they uh, have got uh, mental health," no one's thinking, "Oh, you mean they're thriving." Hmm. Um, we're always thinking about there's a problem or issue or challenge there. But what mental health is is essentially is any aspect of health that affects our thoughts, feelings, and behaviours, and that's as broad as it is. Uh, so that applies to everybody mm. at every stage of life, um, uh, every social demographic. You know, mental health is any aspect of health that affects uh, behaviour, feelings or thoughts. Um, what we get it confused with is poor mental health, mm. which is something different. So that's a prolonged state, a prolonged negative state, which affects our thoughts, feelings behaviours negatively. Um, and so, so that's very much different from from mental health for poor mental health and then the third distinction is when we talk about mental illness um so quite often we can medicalize our language so when we're worried we talk about anxiety mm. um which is an anxiety is different from clinical anxiety or an anxiety disorder right. um, and when we are sad or down we can talk about depression which is different from clinical depression. So so mental illness is something that has been diagnosed or that is pre-diagnosis or diagnosable, but it means that that negative state of mental health is affecting um, through its frequency, impact and severity. And those are the three things that the GP will look at and ask about, the frequency, severity and impact, means that... um, And that means that somebody is uh, being affected in their daily function. Mm. So it's not just that they're feeling sad; it's that sadness is stopping them with personal hygiene, with going out the front door, Mm. with uh, going to work, with looking after dependents. Mm. Um, So that's really, really quite key. Those different, those different aspects of language, because we tend to use all three of those quite freely, Um, and so you can have people. you know, saying I've got mental health and they mean something, they mean that they, they are mentally ill, but that's not a diagnosis and so on. So it can be quite confusing and painful when people are talking about, um, about mental health.
0: Mm. And I think our natural gravitation towards the, the negative aspects of mental health. I mm. so you're right. We don't normally assume somebody means good health. Yeah. Um, when we think of mental, um, aspects of our health, yeah. um, and that suggests there's a real stigma around that health
1: i mean so 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 stigma it, there's a there's a long legacy of stigma in that um in our history when people have been um displaying uh their challenges with with mental health mm. um we've tended to put them somewhere separate you know so it was the you know the workhouse or the poorhouse, uh, then a, then the asylum yeah. um, so again there's a very clear link with with poverty and mental health you know, we may still have stories in our families of great aunts who were sent away for their nerves, um, but these things were separate and hidden. Um, you know, the generation of of grandparents and older grandparents at the moment who will have gone through electric shock therapy in its infancy because that was prescribable. Mm. So, you, so there's a separateness about it. And 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 so the senses in society that you know everybody who's okay can stay here in this room where everybody can be looked at and seen, and everybody who's not okay can go off somewhere else out of sight. Mm. Um, and so there's there's a huge amount of stigma around it. And and all stigma is really, especially self stigma, is uh, three main messages. And the three main messages are: I'm bad. I'm weird. It's all my fault, and and those messages are ones that we can send to ourselves, but they're also messages that we can transmit mm. um, uh, in uh, to other people. You know, mm. talking about someone needing to go off and take their happy pills, mm. or saying they're you know they're uh, they're not the shy, sharpest knife in the drawer, um, they're saying that they're a schizo or a psycho.
0: Yeah,
1: all those things are really reductive and the impact of stigma is that we prevent people from getting help because mm. <laughs> who's going to want to say something to somebody else mm. if they're afraid that on top of everything that they're dealing with and struggling with, they're going to be called schizo or psycho yeah. or they're going to be uh, have these extra layers of shame piled on top of them. It's really important yeah. that we think about, um, the person and what they're experiencing rather than using, uh, uh you're using, using, essentially their illness to label them. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you broke a leg, we wouldn't call you a broken leg. No. Um, we'd say you have a broken leg. Um, and it's that, that difference. We're not calling people by the thing that they're suffering with.
0: Yeah. you've talked about recent history of mental health and Mm. great aunts and asylums and and those sorts of things Um, but there is a long history of mental health I guess as long as people have existed and, yeah. and actually when we look at some of the characters in the bible you know we look at job who uh, if anybody ever had a reason to be depressed it was job when his life within within a day mm. just turns upside down but also david some some big names like elijah who did some incredible things but mm. in one kings nineteen four, he says i have had enough lord yeah. take my life for i am no better than my ancestors who have already died yeah i mean he's like rock bottom there. yeah um so, so the bible uh obviously have some examples of people what what does the bible say around mental health
1: i mean it's it's really interesting isn't it because because we yeah if you were to to search the word mental health you wouldn't find it in the bible but there's such a huge breadth of human experience within the bible uh, and that's really really important um and i find it interesting as well that when we when we read the bible there there's, there's rage there's uh, there's depression, there's low mood. There's people coming to the end of their own resources. Uh, people praying for death. People, you know, there's people. There's like there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations, mm. right? Which basically means the book of sobbing. You know, so so there's this whole range of human experience. And yet, if somebody came into maybe one of our church services, what you'd have is is worship and affirmation, mm. um, and 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 some people might say, "Well, actually, where, where's the space and where's the room for my rage, for my yeah. sadness? Where's where's the where's the place for my tears in this service?" And so, and, and you know, I'm not I'm not criticising worship or anything like that, but we just need to be aware that, that the the Bible you know reflects this huge range of uh, human experience, and perhaps our services don't always do that, mm. um, which can be can be challenging for people. I love the example of Elijah and I love how God uh, treats Elijah. Um, you know, so Elijah marches out in that desert and he's, there's a certain amount of uh, decision making that he makes because he leaves his servant and he leaves his his donkey, you know, and he goes out alone. So there's he's not going to have any provisions with him. Mm. It, it's, you know, he is taking a one way trip. And when he meets God in that place of where he comes to the end of himself and say, and says, you know, just, I've had enough. I've had enough mm. where his ability to cope has been overwhelmed by the challenges he's facing and the pain that he's facing. God doesn't, God doesn't chivy him up with a, you know, a scripture or anything <laughs> like that. He says, you know, it's all about sleeping, eating and drinking, sleep, eat, drink, sleep, eat, drink until his strength is back and i love that that he is um his physical needs are are important mm. in the restoring of his mind and the restoring of of uh i mean his faith is always there but restoring you know a functioning and actionable faith yeah um and the and then the first meeting with god after that moment is in a still small voice mm. you yeah, know and there's huge yeah, so sort of earthquakes and lightnings, things that mm. split the ground, but God is in that close personal space in a cave. Mm. Um, and and there's something that is really caring and intimate about that, mm. um, for s- restoring somebody. Um, and and then the first question that is asked of Elijah is, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, not accusatory, but w- yeah. what are you doing it? But what, what are you doing? What are you doing in the desert? What yeah. are you doing here? Yeah. And God, God knows the answer. God knows the answer to that one way walk into the desert. Mm. So it, it's this incredibly intimate conversation between somebody that is at their last, mm. and there you have the life giving God having a conversation. In a cave, with uh, yeah, and restoring yeah, restoring a man of faith. Wonderful. Uh, it's it's actually quite beautiful. Yeah.
0: In our our discussion before we we started recording, you talking about the Good Samaritan as well. Was there, mm. was there something you wanted to bring out around that story?
1: Yeah. So there's there's a it's a really key conversation between um, between Jesus and a and an expert in the law. Um. And and I as a as a Christian and a, a mental health uh, practitioner and instructor, and also uh, as a uh, as a person who trains faith communities, um, i have be coming back to that passage more and more. And, and essentially, there's a, a conversation where, where somebody says, what, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to get this eternal life? Um, and uh, effectively, Jesus says, well, you're an expert in the law, so so what, tell me what it says. Um and bearing in mind the hundreds and hundreds of verses there are that this expert in the law would have had access to, he pretty much instantly comes up with two. So you can guess that he's been thinking about this quite a lot. And he comes up uh, from uh, one in Deuteronomy, having the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, all your soul. Um, and, uh, and then he comes up with, um, the law in Leviticus, uh, which is treat your neighbour as yourself, um, and so Jesus says, "Yeah, that, that's that's great. That'll, that 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 will definitely work." Yeah, um, and there's this pause <laughs> because for the expert in the law, all this seems too unconditional, <laughs> and there's something around those two verses which talks about grace. So, so when We talk about we, you know, we're serving the Lord with all our heart, mind, and so on and so on. That is, that is, feels fairly limitless. (laughs) Mm. Um, but it's not, it's not an earning. It's, it's a, it's a, a way of deepening relationship. Mm. Um, and, uh, and a way, you know, that is an offer to lean into a a limitless God. Mm. Um, and how do you lean into limitless God with everything you've got? Yeah. And so, so that's really important. But the, The standard around loving others is different. And that's really important. So we don't put people as idols in front of us. So there's a treatment of God and a one-true God. But in the treatment of others, our self-care and treatment is intrinsically linked. So treat your neighbour as you would treat yourself. So if you're treating yourself poorly, you are actually denying your neighbor good quality care compassion relationship yeah whereas if we are looking after ourselves um uh, then actually other people benefit vastly more so if i'm if i'm you know i wouldn't deprive somebody of sleep but i might deprive myself of sleep yeah uh, i wouldn't urge somebody to over you know consume excess alcohol or drugs but i might do that myself yeah. So, so, yeah. and there's a real parallel here. Uh, there's a, sort of quite a common question where people talk about their self talk. And then the coach goes, And would you talk to a friend like that? Yeah. And so the messages that we say to ourselves can be utterly harsh. Yeah. But we wouldn't talk to a friend like that. Yeah. So yeah. I think that there's this beautiful holiness and practical nature in that one. Uh, in that one sentence of love your neighbour as yourself. And there's a reason why that's been picked up by lots of other different faiths and called the golden rule mm. because it's it's beautifully balanced. Um, but it means that we are not draining ourselves to the point of not existing so that somebody else can be treated like well. yeah. that. These yeah. things are intrinsically linked. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and so that's that's really important because actually uh, as Christians – we are really poor sometimes at self-care because we think it's selfishness. Um, we think it's self-indulgent. Uh, you know, we choose all those other words with self in them that have a negative context, and we apply those to ourselves and say, actually, uh, you know, self-care is a bad thing. No, self, self-care self <laughs> is the foundation of mission. <laughs> self-care is the uh, the foundation of uh, uh, you know of reaching out to our communities because you want to be able to do it today and tomorrow, but that's not that's not self reliance.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, that that thing of you know leaning into God with everything you have, leaning into Limitless God with everything you have, means that all you've got left is grace. Mm. And so, I think living in grace is the biggest act of
0: self-care. Yeah. So so there you go guys. Uh, number one takeaway from today, live in grace, look after yourselves. Self-care is important. It's not selfish. Self-care is essential um i i I really like what you're talking about around integrity between how we treat others and how we treat ourselves yeah and you were talking earlier around the kind of stigma of the language and i'm bad and i'm weird and it's all Mm. my fault so that's kind of self narrative yeah and i guess what you're saying there is that we sometimes put that onto other people so so maybe as we start to wrap up our time together Mm. is there is there something a challenge you want to lay out to us around how we talk about ourselves and how we talk about others
1: yeah, and so so when we're looking around us, we can quite often when we're, especially in, in urban context, we can find people that, that are, uh, or see people on the street that are maybe displaying uh, different behaviours, whether they're talking to themselves, uh, whether they are um, walking a different way, whether they have involuntary tics and so on. And the, the big challenge and shift for ourselves in our minds is that it's actually to move our first thought away from what's wrong with a person to what's happening with this person. Mm. Because, because this person is is not outside uh, the remit of God and not outside the purview of God, not outside the kingdom of God. Mm. So something needs to change with us, uh, with our fear of what's different outliers, which we also see in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people, uh, Jesus meeting with people who are outside the village, out in the remote sticks, living in graveyards.
0: Yeah.
1: And so but I also encourage people to, to, if it's one simple thing, is that when we're looking at other people to catch that thought of what's wrong with them and turn it into what, what's happening with them. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, is the first step towards um, practical compa- compassion, I'm not saying that we should replicate our medical services or anything like that. But one of the biggest things we can do is to be a safe person when we're approached and somebody is maybe displaying mental health distress. They're a safe person who's not making things worse. You know, doctors have a principle of do no harm. uh, And we should be looking at that in terms of our our interactions with people of, of doing no harm, doing their spiritual harm. So two
0: takeaways from today. One is self-care is so important and grace is is the ultimate of that. And and the second is to change our language and our thinking from what's wrong with them to what's happening with them, um, to remove that stigma of something that will never change to something which uh, is something that's going on in our lives and it may only be a temporary thing. Um and to treat people differently and show love to people. Thank you, Ben. It's been an illuminating conversation today, and uh, I'm sure there are lots more questions that are now coming into people's minds and maybe we should have a follow-up later in the year or something and, and address some of those, the Q&A or something. But um, it's been great talking with you. Thank you for all that you've done over the years with uh, with your county, with the people in Devon, but also through the, the children who have been in your care over the years and uh, and the, the impact you've had in the church and in other organisations too. So thank you very much for all the work that you've done and for changing the perception that we have of uh, of mental health. Thank
1: you very much for having me. And and for those that are listening, just one thing is that um, it won't always be like this. Um, and, and that is really uh, the assurance that was spoken over me uh, and helped me. Um, so uh, it is my privilege to, to speak it over you via this podcast. God bless you, Ben. Thank you.
0: That's it for this Ascend Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, please share it with a mate. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we are stronger.